I was driving to go hunting. And I heard an advertisement on the radio. And it talked about how that there were over 500,000 minutes in a year. And it began to talk about how that we use those minutes. And this commercial on the radio was for helping to fund the radio station. And, and all I could think of is what are we doing with our minutes? And I began to think about the minutes of our life. And I've been looking forward to this day since that morning because I wanted to share a sermon entitled Running Out of Time. We're all going to run out of time one of these days. Either one morning we're going to wake up and the eastern sky is going to part and the trumpet's going to sound and time will be no more as we've known it. Or what's becoming way more real to me lately, age is going to catch up to me. And I'm going to be, as the reporter said of Dom DeLuise, heard a reporter in Columbus, Ohio, on the day that Dom DeLuise had died, reported actor-comedian Dom DeLuise woke up dead this morning. And the older I get, the closer I get to waking up dead. And my time will end. I'm getting to the place in my life in 2019, I will turn 50 years old. You think that's something? Think what that means to my mom and dad. They're ancient. Beth loves having them there because now I can pick on them instead of her. She already knows what it's like to be 50, so it's not a big deal. Uh, time is running quickly. I set this time just a little after now last Sunday. Last Sunday afternoon, somewhere around 12.30, 1 o'clock, I was sitting in the Shogun Japanese Steakhouse in New Orleans, Louisiana. Mom and Dad were sitting, me, Beth, Michael, and Anthony, all sitting at the table. And I looked at Beth at one point during the lunch, and I looked down the table, and Michael and Anthony were talking. And I said, isn't it weird to look down there and see that our boys are grown up? They're not kids anymore. They're adults. They not, might not be smart adults yet, but they're adults. They're growing up. And I begin to realize that I'm running out of time. The time for me to influence my children is greatly diminished. Because I no longer have the same amount of time with them. The time is coming that my life will look different. All of us who face this as we've 
changed through life. We remember being a child. Some of us can remember that far back. We remember being a child and thinking, wow, if I could just be a teenager. If I could be a teenager, everything in the world would be right. And then we got to being a teenager and we thought, if I could just drive. If, if I could just drive a car, we get to where we could drive a car. If I could just get out of high school, if I could just get out of college, if I could just get married, if I could just have kids, if I am starting to get to the place now. I am not there yet. I'm starting to get to the place now that all of my friends are grandparents. And I think, I wonder what that would be like. I wonder what it would be like to be, I don't know, Pawpaw or Jiddo. Jiddo is the one I sort of lean to. That's the Italian version of Grandpa. Pawpaw is what my dad always was, and my Pawpaw was Pawpaw. I, I, what would that be like? Of course, then I look at my boys and think, well, I ain't got no hope of that. <laughs> but, but there always seems to be something else. And then, a year and a half ago, retired from pastoral work. And I thought, wow, how cool would it be to retire? And then I looked at my budget and said, and when I'm 97, I should be clear to retire at that point. There's always seems to be something else out there that if we could just grab it, if we could just grab it, I'll never forget best grandmother. Every time I would see her, she was in her late 80s, early 90s. And every time I receive her, you know what she asked for? Tommy! Why won't the Lord just take me home? Why, why can't I just go on? You, you know what she was saying? I want that next time. You see, we live our life under the mindset that time is running out. Like sand through an hourglass. It just flows away. We think that we're doing everything about time. We think that we're something special to God. We think that we're living life right until we start thinking about time. Won't you open your Bibles with me today? Woo! Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15. Reading from the New King James Version, it says this. So then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which is disposition, but be filled with the Spirit, 
speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you right now. Lord, I thank you for your power. I thank you for your strength. And I thank you for your promises. Lord, you promised never to leave us alone, never to forsake us. You promised to carry us and to come back for us. But Lord, don't let us waste what we have. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Paul here is writing to the Ephesian church. And he starts off in this verse 15, and he says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. The first thing that we got to understand when we talk about running out of time is that we don't have time to be foolish. But instead, we must walk with wisdom. When you talk to many of us that are older, One of the phrases and things that come up is, what would we tell our younger self? What would I tell 17-year-old Tommy? Let's go back. What would I tell 14-year-old Tommy? I'd tell 14-year-old Tommy if he's going to lie about doing his homework, get his books out of the backyard. (laughs) Got caught there one time. What would I tell 17-year-old Tommy who wants to preach? How would I direct him? One of the things I might tell 17-year-old Tommy is don't let this go to your head. Don't, you're not even close. You don't, I tell my boys this all the time. You don't even know what you don't know yet. That's what I would tell 17-year-old me. You don't even know what you don't know. Much less know everything. I think I would tell 17-year-old Tommy, quit trying to be like somebody else and be yourself. Have confidence in who you are. I was a fool for the first time. Ten years of my ministry, always trying to be somebody else. Now, don't think that these things come lightly. You can you can ask. I believe I've already told Brian and and and, and Kelsey. You can ask Brian and Anna. I've told every one of them. Don't waste your time being somebody else. If you are not who God called you to be, you rob the world of who God called you to be. If you're not the person God called you to be, nobody else can be you. I got news for you. I can can only be, ever be, a second-class copy of Ira Sandifer. I can all, all I can ever be is a duplication, a, 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 a weak image of Jensen Franklin. 
but nobody can be me. The best I will ever be in ministry, in life, in marriage, in parenthood is me. I can't be like you. I can't be like anybody else. I can be me. When we begin to live our lives as fools, we think that we would be better off as somebody else. And that is Paul says, work, walk circumspectly, paying attention. One of the things I might tell 17-year-old Tommy is pay attention to the relationships you get involved in. Pay attention to the people you let influence you. Pay attention to the music you listen to. Let me tell you something. 17-year-old Tommy grew a taste for a music that 50-year-old Tommy still has to battle. I'm telling you. There are things that I fight with at a 50-year-old that started at 16 and 17 and 15 and 14. We need to be wise about the way we live. What I would tell my 27-year-old self, read the Bible more, pray more. What I would tell my 47-year-old self, spend more time in communion with God. You see, when we begin to understand that we are running out of time, we don't have time to wait. I remember thinking as a young man, well, one of these days, one of these days I'll be different. No. We may not have one of these days. We may not have one of these days. I've been in a one or two situations. Some of you have been in situations where maybe you were involved in an auto accident or something strange happened, and you get that moment. This is it. 16 years old, going out to eat after church one night. All of a sudden, a car goes screaming past us. Behind him are two or three other cars. Right as they got, at the, the car goes by, the cars behind him were police cars with their lights flashing. As soon as they get in front of us, they slide the car to a stop. Guy jumps out of the car and throws a pistol over the top of the car. Aiming at the cops, which in turn were aiming at us. And I remember thinking, we're going to die. We didn't. I don't know what I was more scared of, the fact that Daddy dove down into the floorboard. He was driving. Threw the car in reverse and floored it. I I thought, man, he's going to hit something and kill us. I'll tell other stories later. But, but... We, we, uh, you know, it was scary. I've been there when things happen. And I think, is this it? Been on that plane with that little extra turbulence. (laughs) Oh, oh. 
And all of a sudden, when you think time is running out, you make commitments. God, if you'll get me out of this. But when he gets us out of it, we go back to foolish living. Because we don't understand the end of time. He says, not as fools, but as wise. Look at the next line he says. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. I want to show you that in another translation. In the New American Standard, it says, making the most of your time because the days are evil. When we begin to understand that we are living in an evil day, we begin to understand that Jesus is coming soon. We need to make the best of our time. I preach this to a group of people who are here on Sunday. But many that are a part of our church have decided that things other than worshiping God today are more important. Now, I was with my son last week. I wasn't in church. I'm not saying you can never miss church. But what I am saying is sometimes it becomes a habit. We begin to live our life thinking that we're all okay. But the truth is, if God was to show up in our living room and say, I'm coming back next Monday morning, I promise you, next Sunday morning, we would have every chair available in this building filled up with people and standing room only because they would think their time is running out. As long as we don't realize it's happening. We don't make the best of our time. Let me tell you about America. Now, I'm going to go into some statistics here. And some of you are going to check out on me like you're better than everybody else. Before you get your pious, self-righteous spirit all-powerful, Remember, all liars have their part in the lake of fire. Because when you think about some of these stats, you're going to realize that you're there. I did some research this week. I found out that the average American spends about three and a half months a year of time at work. Eight hours a day, five days a week. About three and a half months a year at work. If you sleep eight hours a day, which some of you do, some of you do more, some of us do less, average is right around eight. That's about four months a year of sleep. So between work and sleep... We're looking at right now about seven and a half to eight months a year working and sleeping. The average American spends four months per year 
watching television. The, the stat, actually, it's actually a little more than four months. It actually is the average American spends eight and a half hours a day on average with television on. Now, some of these overlap. Some people watch TV while they work. I do that often. Some people watch TV while they sleep. I do that often. Some people listen to services while they sleep. You do that often. Um, But the average American, according to statistics, watches TV about eight and a half hours a day, a little more than four months a year. That hits more of you than you will admit to. And if you'll stop and just think about all the shows that you watch, the younger ones in the crowd, think about all the shows that you binge on Netflix and Hulu and how many seasons you watch in a weekend. I'm guilty. We'll binge a show and we'll watch one episode. And four episodes later, after all the cliffhangers, we decide we got to go to bed. The average American spends one month every year on social media. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Now, I know a lot of you are going, well, I don't ever do that. Well, some of you spend a month a year talking on the phone. Oh, come on now. Oh, come on now. And I'm not talking about work talking either. I'm talking about, you know, you know, telephones were Facebook before Facebook was Facebook, right? You understand that? We, we spend. So now if you count sleep and work and TV. So you got four, eight. You've already had 12 months. Now we're at 13 months every year of our time. I figured it up. Can I tell you how much if? If you're faithful, and I'm going to tell you, there are very few of you in this building that meet this criteria. But if you do four and a half hours a week at church, that's Sunday school, Sunday night, Wednesday night, which I'm going to tell you, very few of you do that. I'm just going to be honest with you. You only spend about a week a year in church. Let me tell you something. I'm about to even rock even more. We got 13 months of time tied up in sleep and work and so, watching TV and social media. The average American spends less than one day per year in prayer. The average time of American in prayer is between three and seven minutes. I used five minutes, which is just a little over a day. Pastor, what are you trying to show us? I'm trying to tell you we're running out of time. We're running out of time. We have allowed this world to take over our time so that we don't have time to pray. We don't have time for church. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Next week, when I preach Version 2, we're going to talk about 
how, how that maybe we need to adjust our times. Maybe we need to adjust what we do. I used to love NASCAR. I still like NASCAR a lot. Got a chance to go do a NASCAR simulator in Baltimore, Maryland. And Jeff Burton was there and signed autographs. And he ran the simulator with us. I'm proud to say that I won a prize. I had the fastest lap there, and I actually beat Jeff Burton's lap that day in that simulator. I should go drive NASCAR. I like to thank the I think the Taco Bell Church of God car is a really good team today. We, we, I'll tell you, the Souls Harbor Pit crew had everything working together right. I guess I need to start learning to talk without moving my mouth so I'll sound like a real NASCAR driver. I just, it was a tough race out there today. But you know how I won, you know how I got the best time on that simulator that day? I slowed down. Anybody that watches NASCAR, they've heard this phrase, slow down to go faster. And when, when I would go into the curves, I would come off the gas, sometimes even tap the brakes. And I would accelerate, accelerate at the right times, and I would slow down at the right times. Next week in version two, I may talk a little bit about, do we need to slow down to go faster? How, how, do, we, how do we handle these things? We are living in a world where our time has been so picked away. Brother Curtis Silcox tells you. He says that technology never does anything but steal time. And I've argued with him for years. And the older I get, the more I agree with him. Hope you're not watching this video. I'd never want to admit that to you. I said, now, 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 no, it saves time. He goes, no. He said, every bit of technology that was designed to create more time calls more time to get wasted. He's, here's his example. There was a time in years gone by where you didn't have washing machines and dryers and you washed your clothes by hand and you hung them on the line and you went and you put wood in the stove and you cooked and you did all these things and they all got done. Now you got a washing machines and electric dryers, microwave ovens, convection ovens. You got all these things. And what do we do? We don't have time to cook. We have to go get fast food. Our laundry piles get higher and higher. Because technology has called us, caused us to put it off. We had phone. We had to go visit people if we wanted to see them. Then we could call them. Now we can text them or send them a Facebook message. What happens? I've got 2,000 friends on Facebook and I don't know anybody. Technology has stolen. We, we live in a world where we literally say we have no time because we've 
giving ourselves too much time. We are running out of time. You see, the hourglass, that's a 30-minute hourglass. I'm running out of time. My wife says, I got to stop when that stops. I got news for you. When that stops, there's a hand going to come in and flip it again. (laughs) But um, I know how to make more time. But we're running out of time. We only spend... Five minutes a day on average in prayer. And that's not Amer- that's, I, I, I misworded that. That's not an average American. That's average Christian American. That's not counting the non-Christians that don't pray at all. We've got to make a change. How do we make that change? Well, we've got to step up and we've got to take some challenges. So I want to give you a challenge today. Let me back up. I skipped a whole part. We must move our focus to God and others. If we're going to save our time, we've got to move our focus. When you read the rest of this passage, it says that we got to, it says, therefore, we got to be, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Goes on to talk about speaking to others in songs, in spiritual songs. Talks about staying in control of yourself. Submitting to others in God. When we move our focus, we start gaining time. When you begin to look at the clock. Wednesday nights when I'm doing Bible study. I look up at that door. Somewhere right around a little after 8 o'clock, Rick comes into that hallway and starts going. Time is up. And I can roll it down. Every once in a while when I'm preaching on Sunday, I'll look back and Beth will be going. Time is up. And I've been preaching long enough, I know how to get to the end of the sermon. When we put our focus on God and others, we begin to change the use of our time. How can we, foc- how can we move our focus? I want to I challenge you to take a challenge with me. Calling it the Redeeming the Time Challenge. Those of you on social media, I'll put some things up on social media. Anything you do with this, you can hashtag it. If you don't know what hashtag is, ask your grandkids. I had to ask my son. Uh, But from January the 2nd to January the 31st, I want us to take a challenge. 30 days of January. I want us to move our focus. I'm going to give you just a few things to do. Number one, I want you to read one chapter of the Bible per day. And I want you to do it from the following books. Malachi, Mark, Galatians, and Philippians. 
Those four books have 30 chapters between the four of them. Malachi is going to talk to you about restore, restoration and offering and gifts. Mark is going to give you the gospel of Jesus Christ. Galatians and Philippians are going to talk about godly living and power and authority. One chapter a day. That's all I'm asking. For some of you, that's nothing. For some of you, that scares the daylights out of you. That's going to take you about maybe 10 minutes a day, 15 at the most. It probably would take me 30 minutes because I'm a slow reader. One chapter a day. Second thing I want to ask you to do, pray every day, and I'm going to give you your choice. Choose one of the three, 16 minutes a day. If you pray 16 minutes a day, at the end of 30 days, you will have prayed eight hours in the month of January. Now, I'm not talking about praying over dinner. I'm talking about focused prayer time every day. Eight hours, 16 minutes a day. That is three times the American average. If you think 16 minutes sounds short, which I do, Pray 24 minutes a day. If you pray 24 minutes a day for the 30 days of the challenge, at the end of that 30 days, you will have prayed 12 hours. If you really want to push yourself, pray 48 minutes a day. Pray 48 minutes a day for for 30 days. At the end of that 30 days, you will have prayed one of those 30 days, 24 hours. So we're reading... We're praying. And listen, for me, I'm gonna, let me be transparent, my average is somewhere around that 20 to 30 minutes, 15 to 30 minutes is what I average a day. I'm just going to be honest. For me, the push for me is going to be that 48 minutes. But I don't want you to feel bad if you say, Pastor, I, I don't really focus prayer that much. Then pray the 16 minutes. I want you doing more than you're doing now. I just want you to focus. So choose one of those three. So we're reading, we're praying. The next one, we're going to connect. I want you to send a message to a different friend or family member every day. That can be a postcard. A letter, a text message, a phone call. I'm even going to allow you to use social media here. But I don't want it to be a wall post. I want it to be a private post. Private message. What kind of message? How you doing? Been thinking about you. What are you doing Sunday? You want to go to church with me? Let's throw that in there while we're at it. I haven't talked to you in a long time. I wanted to call and just tell you that I love you. Some of you need to call mom and dad and tell them that you love them because you had not talked to them in a long time. Or you need to call your kids or your grandkids or your aunt or uncle or your grandparents. Reach out and connect. We live in one of the most disconnected societies in history. So reach out and connect to a different friend or family member. Now I'm going to tell you what's going to happen here. You're going to connect with a few of them and it's not just going to be one day. You're going to wind up talking to them over the course of many days. But every day you add another one. 
If we're connecting, we're not wasting. So we're praying. I mean, we're reading, we're praying, we're connecting. I want you to choose an item to donate every day. We're going to give. Now, for some of you, this is easy. You're going to go in your closet, and you're going to find an item of clothing you haven't wore in 14 years, and you're going to take it to the Salvation Army. Some of you, it may be that you donate a meal for a friend. Some of you, it may be that you go into that cupboard where you are stocked up for the end of time and you, you grab a couple of cans of, of refried beans and take it to the food bank. You find something that you have that you can give. Some of you may reach in your pocket and grab a $5 bill and just walk up to somebody at Walmart and say, I have been challenged by my pastor to give something away every day. And today, I decided I was going to give a $5 bill to the first person I saw at Walmart wearing a green hat. And you've got a green hat on. Here's $5. <laughs> now, let me tell you something. You do that, and they're going to go, what church do you go to? They're going to want to understand about it. And you can start to talk to them about focusing your time. I want you to find something every day that you can give a... I'll look at all the time I've got left. Um, so we're reading, we're praying, we're giving, or we're connecting, we're giving. And the last one, I want you to do something for yourself every day. Oh, 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 oh pastor, what are, you, what are you talking about? One of the biggest challenges that we have in most of our generation, most of our people alive today, is we don't do enough for ourselves. There are a few that are selfish, that do everything for themselves, but most of us don't do enough for ourselves. Now, what are you talking about, Pastor? Well, I don't know. Maybe you one day go get your nails painted. I probably won't do that, but maybe you will. <laughs> maybe you go get your hair cut, Michael. I mean, fixed. <laughs> maybe you go pull out your shotguns and you clean your guns. Maybe you go out in the garage and you shine up the motorcycle. January, you might not get to ride it, but if it's warm enough day, maybe you go for a ride. Maybe you look around and you go, you know what? I don't have any hobbies. Go find you a hobby. I'm giving you permission and a challenge to find a hobby. Because if you don't take some time for yourself, you know why we're always stressed out? You know why we're always under the gun? You know why we're always, I don't think Because we never take time for ourselves. The only thing I'm going to ask you not to do and this applies to some of us. Number one, don't make it a TV show every day. 
Well, I just got to watch Young and the Restless every day. That's my time for me, Connie. Uh, uh, <laughs> General Hospital, yeah. Let, 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 let's try to move away from those things. And for the younger generation especially, don't make it video game time. For the adults, don't make it candy crush time either. Boy, I hit some, I hit some toes there. I, let me tell you something. Find something to refresh you. Maybe it's take a walk. Maybe it's exercise. Find something to do for yourself. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to read. We're going to pray. We're going to connect. We're going to give. And we're going to receive. If you're willing to take that challenge, you know I had to get this in here somewhere. I want to be able to connect with you. I want to be able to help you along over the 30 days. I'm going to send you reminders. I want you to get your phone out right now if you're willing to take this challenge. And I want you to text the word challenge, C-H-A-L-L-E-N-G-E, to 660-628-0550. Why, why are you doing this, Pastor? Because I'm going to tell you, you, everybody can raise their hand, yeah, I'm going to do it. But it's going to be different when all of a sudden you get a text message. Hey, what have you given today? I'm not going to send it every day. I may send a message in a few days. What do you think of Malachi chapter 3? <laughs> Imagine pastor picked that chapter of all chapters to mention. Uh, it's on tithing and giving. Uh, you know, I send you some messages, some emails to help remind you to stay on track. Keep your eye on Facebook. See, I'm going to use what challenges us to focus us. So that we can change the focus of our time. I'm going to tell you, you're probably not going to change eight hours a day of sleep. Most of us are not going to change three and a half months a year. Now, if you're a pastor, that's more like nine months a year of work. But it's not going to change our work time. Not going to change our sleep time. But i tell you what it will do. I know what it's going to do in my life because I know where I'm, where I'm horrible. I probably spend the four years a month with TV on. Four, year, four years a month. Four months a year with TV on. I probably am on social media a month a year. You know what it's going to do to me? I'm not going to be able to turn, turn on MASH that I've seen 14,000 times until I finish reading my Bible. I, I, I'm not going to have time to watch Andy Griffith for the 1.5 millionth time in my life because I need to get 48 minutes of prayer in. I'm going to have to get up out of my chair to go for a walk to clear my head for me. Had a morning that, let me give you one of those me things. Had a morning just this week, I believe it was Friday morning. The dog was insane. Beth and Michael were both still in bed. The dog was insane. I was ready to throw it through the wall. 
I was trying to work on the sermon. And I was like, ah! And I finally got up, and I put the dog in the crate. Went back and told Beth, I'm done. I've had it. I'm going to Bogey Stone. And I went to Bogey Stone, and I had my laptop, and I had my phone, and I had my notebook, and I sat down, and I did some of the research for today. And I remember sitting there drinking my cup of coffee and working and going, It refreshed me because it was as loud as a public restaurant can be. It was quiet compared to that dog barking. Find something. Pray, read, pray, connect, give, and receive. When we do those things, we're going to redirect our focus. When we redirect our focus, we're going to change how we're using our time. And we're going to begin to redeem our time. Redeem means to buy back. We're going to make the best. Because time is running out. I got news for you. The musicians will come. Time is running out. And we spend so much of our time dealing with the pain and the heartache and the troubles of this life. Some of you may have been thinking earlier in the service, Pastor, you didn't do pastor's prayer. No, we're just changing some things up. I let Kelsey know today that we're moving pastor's prayer from the last song of worship to the end of service. Why are we doing that, Pastor? Well, number one, I want to be where that as God starts moving in pastor's prayer, he can move as long as he wants to move. I want us to have the freedom. The same thing still apply. When we come off of this sermon talking about running out of time, we're running out of time. We, we're wasting time because we're carrying hurts and pains and heartaches and even sickness that God wants to deliver. God wants to free you physically, spiritually, emotionally, financially, relationally. Can, can you imagine how much more time you would have if all of a sudden God blessed you financially? How many hours a day do we spend trying to figure out how we're going to pay the bills? <laughs> a bunch of them. How many hours a day do we spend waiting in doctor's offices to see a doctor? How many hours a year do we spend crying because relationships with family members and friends are not where they need to be? How much time do we waste in depression because our emotions need healing. Spiritually, we need God to come in and make a way. As they begin to play something, Kelsey may sing a little bit. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Tommy, I've got a need. And Man, I see where it's stealing my time. It's not just stealing my joy. It's not just stealing my victory. It's stealing my time. And we're running out of time. And I want God to heal me, set me free, deliver me. I want God to do something special in my life. I don't care if it's a physical need, a spiritual need, an emotional need, a, a financial need, or a relational need. If you've got a need... 
and you want God to meet that need, I want you, as they sing, I want you to get up out of your seat, and I want you to come stand across front of this church. I'm going to anoint you with oil, and I'm going to believe that God is going to redeem the time in your life. That God is going to redeem the time. One of the minor prophets, it may be Malachi, I can't remember, uses this phrase. I think it's Amos. It says that he will restore to you the years that the canker's worm have, to, have, have to, stole away. He will restore to you what the enemy has stolen from you if you'll just let him. Dear Heavenly Father, right now, Lord, I want you to begin to move in hearts and lives. And Lord, if there is a need in this house, Lord, I pray that you would give them the courage, the confidence, and the faith to come to the front of this sanctuary and let me anoint them with oil and agree with them for victory so that we can redeem the time in these evil days. In Jesus' name. Right now, do you have a need? Will you come?